profession. For over a decade, you fought to reach the pinnacle of your profession. Through sweat and dedication, you've earned the respect of fans, friends, and even your adversaries. Then, you walk away. When you return six months later, nothing is the same. I've been screwed by Shawn Michaels, the boy toy. I've been screwed by Stone Cold Steve Austin. I've been screwed by the World Wrestling Federation. There are no friends. There's kind of a new motto in the World Wrestling Federation. You scratch my back and I'll stab yours. There is no respect. Everybody in that dressing room knows that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Even your fans have changed. At the heart of this change is a man who spits in the face of your every accomplishment. Ever since you came back, you ain't done nothing but cry. He has gained fame by attacking you physically and verbally. This man mocks your legacy. He uses it as a stepping stone. Like a false prophet, he spews forth his rhetoric. Red Lord on his best day, can't lace my boots, and I'm going to prove that to the world. And I will, I will beat the hell out of Brett. And that's the bottom line. His followers carry placards singing his praise. Injustice after injustice has finally caused you to snap. Whoa! Now, the finger is pointed at you. You're the one who's changed. He snapped, McMahon! He's lost it! Get him out of here! Drag him out! Oh, Josh! Josh! Yeah. Oh, my finger! Josh! Josh! That dirty, rotten son of a... They say your ego is your enemy. What happened to you? There's only one solution. To awaken from this nightmare, you must defeat him. To regain your life and resume your legacy, you must make him beg for mercy as you squeeze the will from his bones. But what if Stone Cold Steve Austin wins? What becomes a Brett the Hitman heart then? Hello, everybody, and Merry Christmas. It's uh, We're back again with another Bang Bang podcast, Christmas Cracker. I hope you're all having a nice Christmas time. Uh, I've currently got my fist round up a turkey's arse, <laughs> obviously, as I normally do on a podcast evening, but... As is Christmas, uh, you know, I'm I'm stuffing the uh, stuffing the bird for uh, ready for Christmas dinner with um, James Bond on the telly and um, Mrs. Brown's boys, obviously later on to look forward to. So uh, yeah, so I hope you're all in a good time. So we're back again with another one of our little festive treats for you all, uh, and this is a big festive treat for you all today because we're joined by. Lord, Lord Mags of where was your where was your actual your your land, Mags? Um, I can't remember. Somewhere, <laughs> uh, it's it's in Coniston, somewhere in okay. Coniston. Uh, and you you talk about it being Christmas. It, it's June. We we, we <laughs> I'm literally recording this in, in shorts and a t-shirt. It's fucking pulling the wool over your ass, Pete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's lovely. We're doing this outside, so uh, I'm on the beach. Um, but yeah, so mate, Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, same to you. I hope you got all the presents that you were you were after. If you were a good little boy, Santa's delivered everything that you wanted. <laughs> Thank you very much, mate. Um, so as we as we've spoken about on all these shows, we'd like to find out a bit more about our guests' uh, Christmas. Likes and dislikes, and uh, um, we get a little hint into their 
there's taste in food and drink and music well obviously you're tasting a lot of those things as well documented mags already but we'll find out a bit more now so um what would you what would you have mags as your favorite christmas song okay so before we get there uh, i want to make it abundantly clear that i fucking hate christmas <laughs> and this is okay. this, this is me actually shooting i've never ever liked the the period of christmas even, even uh as a as a kid it wasn't normally you get kids who get really excited over christmas it was never something that i was particularly bothered about um but as i've got older uh and seeing how my kids have enjoyed it and then now the grandkids enjoy it i'm kind of like warming to it a little bit but if it were me, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't celebrate Christmas at all. It's just a, it's just a marketing scam, isn't it? Just wait to party from your hard-earned money to buy well, shit you don't want and spend time with people you don't like. It's brilliant. Well, I mean, the Merry Christmas, to, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm wearing my special Christmas jumper which is the first time I've ever bought one. And first thing Max said to me, what the, what the fuck's that you're wearing? <laughs> so well, I got an inkling you, then. You must yeah. be sweating your cob off in the middle of June with a big know, thick yeah. jumper on. Yeah, and there's no, I'm wearing nothing underneath this jumper at all, <laughs> oh, from the waist really? down. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm similar in a way before we had the kids because obviously being in my job, I've been doing this since I was not podcasting, <laughs> working for the NHS since i was 20 mm-hmm. so uh, we've always again we don't really have a day off over christmas so you just kind of go through like normal so you don't ever get that time to celebrate christmas like everybody else so it's only really since we had the kids that we made more of an effort to, to, to celebrate christmas but i was a bit like that it was just an excuse to get pissed up basically and back yeah. before i had kids i needed the very little excuse to get pissed up anyway yeah i've received a letter let's go on this on the lag for a for a couple of parts <laughs> Um, yeah i mean that's a long tangent away from your actual original question but uh favorite (laughs) christmas song um i'm i'm partial to uh fairy tale of new york i think that's a a decent tune um i I don't mind the 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 darkness one that they did that don't let the bells end that's a (laughs) that's a banger uh but it's it's the classics isn't it it's like uh wizard and slade uh elton john all those ones yeah, kind of that put you in the Christmassy mood. Uh, but anyone who picks Mariah Carey should be shot. And if anyone, not fans, re- no. anyone who's recorded before me and after me, if you pick Mariah Carey, I'm going to unfriend and block you on Twitter because yeah, that I hate that song. Do you? Yeah. Okay. No, no one's picked that so far. Not that I can remember. No one's picked that so far. I don't think. But um. But if you do pick Shaking Stevens. Merry yeah. Christmas, everyone, and maybe your, your best day. Oh, I mean, you've got to have a bit of shaky at Christmas time, haven't you? Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like we, we've, as, as I probably repeated myself on every one of these Christmas specials, like there is, like, like you said, The Darkness, that's probably the most recent sort of memorable Christmas song I, that sort of sticks in my head. Yeah. And that was probably 15 years ago. Well, I don't know if I, I would have to put that number out of the air, but it's oh, quite a long time ago. We don't really get a lot of newish Christmas songs nowadays. They're, normally it's either the old ones come around again uh, or we get like a, a new artist covering an old one. You don't get someone genuinely doing a, a brand new Christmas song. I mean, it's probably because you can't beat those classic ones. No, no. Well, mate, that sounds like a challenge, mate, to be honest. So maybe next yeah. year yeah. we'll do myself, you, Cy, Rob, Dan, or, or Tanner, Ori, 
Steve. Uh, well, Steve, everybody, we'll all, get to, we'll all get together. Get Matt and the rest of the Techers guys as well involved. And, um, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll release a charity song. single. Yeah. yeah. Ch- not a charity single. <laughs> yeah, we want the money. The charity is us. The, charity the, in brackets. The, yeah. The poor podcasters fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So look out for that next Christmas. Um, Christmas film. This is this is a bone of contention with a lot of people. Christmas yeah. films. So I'm assuming that Die Hard's been mentioned, mm. um, even though some people say it's not a Christmas film, some people say it is. Uh, I'm going to steer away from all that that palaver uh, because the the best Christmas film, without a doubt, is Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. Home Alone Two. Ooh. Why Home Alone Two rather than Home Alone One? Well, first of all, you've got his, his Lord and benefactor Donald Trump in it. Yeah, <laughs> he is, I suppose, yeah. yeah. And, and it's the whole kind of him, uh, Tim Curry's in it, who I think plays a brilliant character, but it's the whole kind of um, going way over the top for, for um, the, like, capitalising on the, on the first film, but then just outdoing it with the all the stuff in, in, in the hotel and the bird woman and uh, going to Carnegie Hall and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's, it outdoes. It's very rare you get a sequel that outdoes the original, but that one I think it does. The breadwoman was. Um, she was lady. Who was in casualty, wasn't she? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Brenda. What was her name? I don't know what her fucking name was. Now, Brenda Fricker, something like that. I'm um, right now. Google that. So obviously, casualty is a slight tie-in. Was obviously filmed in Bristol for a long time. Bre- yeah, Brenda Fricker. Brenda Fricker. <laughs> she's, that, she's actually named on the on the the movie as Pigeon Lady. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I remember going to. We used to see when I when I used to frequent the town of an evening. Uh, in my younger days, we bump into the casualty crew quite a lot. And the guy who played uh, Charlie Fairhead, okay. he liked to drink. He did like a drink, Charlie Fairhead. So that's your casualty update for this week. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, that. no one's, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. I only do it at Christmas. Just, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no one's picked Home Alone 2 as of yet. I'm not sure what I'm all going to release these anyway. So this might be a little bollocks. But um and then, so this is this is what the, the nation's waiting for, Max, is your free essentials of, of a Christmas dinner. Right. So I'm I'm gonna avoid turkey because if you if you don't have a turkey on your Christmas dinner, you're you're a wronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that should go without saying. Uh, it's, okay. it's it's the all it's the the added bits that 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 cause the drama. I mean, stuff like people have fucking cauliflower and cabbage on a Christmas dinner. How dare you? How dare you? Really. Uh, so for me, it's some sort of uh, some form of stuffing has mm-hmm. to be on the on the plate. Whether you go traditional with like pork, sage, and onion, or whether you like trying to uh, boost it up with maybe some apple and walnut, whichever way you need some sort of stuffing. Um, goose fat, roast potatoes have to be goose fat and has to be goose fat. Potatoes. Okay, yeah. and 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 then this this is one <laughs> what kind of divides our house um, because. The missus will go for apple sauce pretty much with any any kind of like white meat. Okay. It's not. It's cranberry sauce. It's got to be cranberry sauce. Yeah. But, no. but she also she also has uh, mint sauce with like roast beef as well. So she's a nutter. Does she? Yeah. I'm not a massive fan of condiments. If I'm honest, I don't like. I don't have. I never have apple sauce. Um, oh. No, 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 or mint sauce. Can we, can we cut? I don't want to continue <laughs> this now. <laughs> the only thing I've ever had apple sauce is like if you go to like, you know, some places where you'll get like uh, 
like a hog roast or something like that, and then oh, yeah. they just chuck it in anyway. Um, but no, I wouldn't have choice ever have apple sauce or mint sauce. I don't really get mint sauce. Wow. I don't, I, don't, I always associate it with lamb. I don't really eat lamb, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it, it is meant to be traditional with lamb. Um, but yeah. Yeah, the wife would have it with absolutely any any like Sunday roast meal. She I um sauce. I, so, so I don't really have salt or any pepper or any. I, I had a bad experience with vinegar during the um two thousand four. Salt or pepper or vinegar on stuff. <laughs> the two thousand and six World eat, Cup. You just eat cardboard. Just yeah. Everything tastes like cardboard. We had some um, extensive wow. drinking sessions during the 2006 World Cup, which was pretty dull from an England point of view. And when we went out to Portugal, I think, on penalties, we ended up going out afterwards and continuing to drink. And we went to a Weatherspoons, and for a bet, I downed um, a bottle of Saracen's vinegar <laughs> uh, in like one go. So that, that I can understand, but why have you kind of like ostracised actual seasonings of like salt and pepper? I didn't really see the need to. I don't. I mean, I had. If I'm cooking, I'll, I'll add salt sometimes. But to actually add salt to your meal, I think is. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a bit strange. Or maybe I'm strange. <laughs> maybe it's me that's strange. They may be some of the worst food takes I've ever heard, and I've done a podcast with Paul Toller who eats <laughs> stock cubes. You may have outdone him. Um, Jesus Christ! But no, I never had any seasoning to my food at all. Well, no, you don't need to. I'm such a good cook. You don't need to add extra seasoning. <laughs> Obviously, that's what it is. Even the best chefs in the world tell you that you need to season stuff. Yeah, but whilst you're cooking it, not once you've cooked it, and then you had to add salt to it. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I, mean, I can understand not having it like sat on the table for you to to pile more on. But yeah, let's have salt and pepper in. The food in the rest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, I do that. I do that. Yeah, well, but I wouldn't. I, you've redeemed yourself then. Yeah, but I wouldn't add salt or pepper to my actual food I'm eating. Um, but yeah. <laughs> shocked. Uh, I think like we're learning more about each other as we go through this podcast. I bitterly regret accepting this offer to come on this podcast now. You're well, not the man I thought you were. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't say so, that. Yeah, so I wouldn't have any. And, and when you mentioned about vegetables on a Christmas dinner, well, that's a bit of a. Because again, I, I don't. I've got no issue with. I don't like cauliflower. I can just fuck off to be honest. This I don't see the point in cauliflower. Cabbage though, red cabbage. I quite like red cabbage. Yeah, I'm, I've never, never been a, a massive fan of cauliflower or cabbage. Um, um, I, I prefer things like, obviously, potatoes. I don't know if that counts as a vegetable because I was starchy, but uh, peas, carrots, uh, kale, uh, spinach, uh, broccoli. I'm not a huge fan of it. It just looks like a little tree. Um, but uh, stuff like swede, um, parsnips. Yeah, I don't mind all, all those kind of rooty vegetables. Yeah, I think I mentioned on one of these on a show of some description that I got I had a, I've got a bit of a phobia of peas because I shoved a load up my nose as I was a kid and I had to go to the hospital. I've heard you mention that. Yeah, right? yeah. So we don't really get on it. I'll eat, I'll eat, um, I'll eat like a Chinese or a curry with peas in, but I won't bite the peas. Right. I'll swallow now, them whole. I won't eat a Chinese with peas because I don't like garden peas. Do you not? Oh. Yeah, obviously coming from Paddyham, I'd imagine <laughs> mushy peas are 
standard with everything. Mo- I mean, Mushy Peas a, a, a top dog. Uh, okay. You can't get them, and and I wouldn't traditionally put Mushy Peas on a on a, a Sunday <laughs> roast. <Chinese. or>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd go with probably like marrow fat standard. Oh. standard but yeah, garden peas. If I get like some some rice or no, uh, noodles and it's got peas in, I will genuinely take the time to pick the peas out before I eat the food. Yeah, no, I couldn't have sour fat peas. Oh, it just my my mum used to make mushy peas and she put them in the fridge afterwards, and you'd be there for like days and days afterwards, and they'd just be <laughs> like a solid. You could slice it in half down the middle. <laughs> like Fucking pe- horrible. Like a pea cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god. Um. Right. Well, there we are. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. So what? Um. Oh, what Christmas cracker have you picked? It is, I mean, it's a pretty solid choice, Max, for a Christmas cracker. But what are we doing? Yeah, so I, I, I kind of avoided the 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 more important matches to me uh, because I assumed that a lot of other people would pick them. And I didn't really want you to be kind of like treading over uh, old ground. So I, I probably would have gone for like uh, the Rock versus Austin uh, uh, at Mania 17, or Rock versus Hogan at Mania 18. That's always a good one, or or maybe uh, Flair versus Michaels. Um, but I've, I've actually gone for a, an, another huge match, but um, it it does kind of get overlooked a lot uh, in in the grand scheme of wrestling. So I've gone for Bret Hart versus uh, Stone Cold from WrestleMania 13. The um the the kind of blood from a stone uh, match that it ends up being mm. so i remember we went back i haven't listened to it again but i remember we we i think we did this did we do this we might have done this wrestlemania i think i can't remember and i think we did because i remember talking about the fucking the blackjacks and the that taxi match at the start of the show so uh, we might and we actually i think we might covered it in the bret hart episodes as well yeah i've yeah. got no recollection of any of those so i'm quite happy to talk about it again any really? excuse to watch his match is yes <laughs> otherwise yeah <laughs> we just i just add now editing the audio from those two shows and uh we just sit here and listen to that um but yeah no uh, amazing choice i watched it back today um uh, with my actually with my four-year-old daughter no five-year-old daughter actually she was on the tablet at the time but i, I just tend to look at the tv when austin was you know gushing from his uh gushing from his head she looked completely horrified by that but yeah but uh, yeah so this is um yeah this goes down as, as a classic match doesn't it well it, it, in, in terms of in wrestling um there's far better i mean it's not exactly a, a technical masterpiece but in terms of what uh what it meant to the to the kind of wrestling world i think this is one of those pivotal points in in the wf where they were making the transition from the kind of a uh, new generation um, era to this kind of reality-based uh, attitude era, um, essentially being forced, uh, their hands being forced by WCW, uh, kicking their ass week on week. Um, so this was kind of like both of those worlds meeting because you had Bret Hart, the the guy who was a, a superhero, believed in like the, the 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 cartoon world of wrestling, and then you had Stone Cold who just wanted to beat the living piss out of everybody, flip them off, and and uh, essentially kick the shit out of his boss. So um, it was kind of like a, a massive clash of styles that that w- was a huge part in WWF winning the the Monday Night Wars and and kind of going on to being the the behemoth that they are. Yeah. Can you recommend any podcasts that cover that sort of era? Well, 
I, yeah. I, you know, I could. And then this with without a hint of bias, there's an amazing podcast called The Changing Attitude uh, hmm. that, that covers this kind of transition from uh, the old school style of early 90s wrestling to the attitude style. Uh, the, the horse... Uh, a goons. I won't trust him as far as I can throw, especially that Mags is a, he's a proper pillock. Um, but at least tune in for the, the dulcet tones of Orish. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And every bloke's all right as well. Nah, he's a t- tosser. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so the, like the, the, the story for this shoot kind of goes back to almost the WrestleMania before, doesn't it? Yeah. So pretty much. obviously after Brett loses to Shawn Michaels, he's gone for six months. Mm-hmm. And in that time, Austin's kind of becoming more of a prominent character, and he obviously, which is the sort of time period when you guys are covering it in the minute on the, on a change in attitude, yeah, you know, with his shoes with Pillman, that kind of thing, and he, he was constantly calling out Bret Hart when he, when Bret was away. Basically, he kept yeah. mentioning Bret and calling him uh, calling him the the shit man. Uh, and <laughs> uh, what what actually kind of uh, going back to watch the matches for uh, for a change attitude? What's actually really struck us is that. If you listen to the WWE, uh, WWE narrative, Austin did his thing at King of the, uh, King of the Ring, did the uh, Austin 316 promo, and then all of a sudden he was a, a top star pushed into the the the, the title picture. And it, it it really isn't like that. It's actually going uh, going now west about six months away from that, and he's he's only just kind of reaching that level of of, of feuding with like the bigger stars. Uh, so we've got to the point where. Um, Brett and and Stokoe faced off at the the Survivor Series before this, um, and that's really the the match that that pushes Austin into that that um, that main event picture. Um, obviously, then he goes on to to uh, win the Royal Rumble, uh, basically screwing Brett out of out of out of the Rumble. Brett's pissed off with Shawn Michaels, thinks he's screwing him. Pissed off with Austin, thinks he's screwing him, and we're getting to the point where. Brett's becoming the heel um, because the the fans uh, are not wanting to watch that kind of a that cartoon brat product that that he's he's so familiar with. They want this gritty, edgy product that that the likes of Michaels and, and Austin are pushing, and he's slowly transitioning to, into being the bad guy. Uh, and Austin's like almost. I mean, he still gets booed going into this match, uh, but I think this is the match where. The fans take Austin um, under the wing as supporters. Like this is the person we're gonna we're gonna be um, uh, pushing uh, to, to basically be the guy. Uh, it's famous for that for that double turn, um, which which happened in the match. The double turn that happens, but the the seeds were already sown uh, way before. So, uh, it's not as kind of as shocking as, as the, the narrative that the WF makes out that, that it's this performance by Austin that makes him a huge star. That was always going to happen. Um, it was just that this was that the kind of like fulcrum point of it, I suppose. Yeah. So you get the kind of storyline from the kind of, I know again, sort of leading back from when Brett comes back to the, then the Royal Rumble and then the, the final four up in the view and then the cage match on Raw. It's kind of mm-hmm. ongoing paranoia from with Michaels as well that everybody's against him. Obviously, Shawn Michaels has screwed him out of his title match and 
Vince, he's having to go to Vince all the time and you know, Vince is now being kind of recognised as not just Vince McMahon, the commentator, there's also some sort of alluding to him actually being in charge and and like running the company. And it's all playing into the storyline of Brett becoming more and more, you know, aggressive and like swearing on Raw and acting more and more of a cock and acting more and more of like a paranoid asshole. Yeah. Um, and it kind of leads into into this feud and into this into this match. And that it said the raw with the the raw before this is fucking amazing. This is they literally is that where they had the the cage match? Was that the raw literally just before this? Yeah, the one yeah. where essentially Brett ends the show by uh, shouting in, in Vince McMahon's face and, and pushing him, uh, ends up pushing him pushing him over. Um, that was really kind of that the leading to Brett being the heel in this yeah. uh, even though when he comes out he's still being cheated um but by the end of it he's he's dickhead number one yeah so obviously got the so austin's because the, the whoever obviously it was Breton Breton said in them in the cage match mm-hmm. yeah so uh, and austin, austin essentially costs him the towel yeah but he comes down to try and help brett win mm-hmm. so that brett will have the title going into their match and then undertaker comes down and try and help so that he gets the title in match against so is that kind of that dynamic where and then he ends up fucking brought over anyway. So uh he just adds to this feud. But that that episode of Raw is I think it's an amazing episode of Raw. Uh, and yeah, it's some there was some good stuff around this period. Obviously you guys are gonna be coming to that soon, so I look forward to listening to that. Yeah, we've we've waded through uh, like I said, about six months now of 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 dire. Um yeah. so so many the stalker matches and and so many um um the iron sheet bringing out the sultan matches uh we we're finally getting to the good stuff we've we've just got to where farouk is not a a tinfoil hat wearing spartan gladiator <laughs> he's actually the leader of the nation of domination now so yeah, yeah. We, we're getting there eventually <laughs> slowly but surely we're getting there yeah, so the, like the, the lead into this match, they show the promo, which basically details all of this. It's gone on in the last year, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get the we get the match. What I'd said, we've covered a few of these sort of older main events, and I always miss that when you wish these shows back. That little bit where they they show them backstage walking to the curtain, and they're sort of stood by the curtain for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. It kind of adds a bit more sort of you know it's an important match yeah you know, you more, do that for the main event, yeah more gravitas yeah that sort of the music when they're sort of stood there waiting for their music to come on and then go through the curtain but there's that iconic stone cold entrance on it that with the uh the stone cold sign the 316 as he walks through the glass and shatters it, and, it, and it shatters it's such a that is a such a cool visual mm. um it's one that they've repeated uh on on documentaries and and uh video packages for austin since it happened it's it's always like a major part of it and yeah it's such a cool visual visual sorry yeah but we missed out obviously the 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 referee for this match it's ken shamrock mm-hmm. yes um this and this kind of leads into ken shamrock being a essentially a full-time uh wrestler for for uh, wwf i mean this is shamrock who was more more known for mma and and shoot fighting um but 
I've said for the longest time now, um, he's one of the kind of missed opportunities WWF had. I think they should have put the title on him. Uh, I mean, I know he was Intercontinental Champion, but I think they should have put the world title on him. He he was so legitimate at that time. Um, I I think they kind of missed a trick with him. But yeah, uh, Ken Shamrock looking buff as fuck in uh, in that uh, tight ref shirt and uh, those little little ass shorts. Yeah, I'm coming out to the (laughs) The, uh, the WrestleMania, the Linda McMahon's uh, theme music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we covered a couple of weeks ago. We covered uh, uh, Degeneration X. I say a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> like yesterday, but in, in in this in Christmas time, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, we spoke on that. Me and um, another Dan, we spoke about Ken Shamrock and how he was. What well, it was only what six months down the line from. Or seven seven months down the line from this WrestleMania, he's main event in a pay per view against Shawn Michaels for the world yeah. title. Yeah. But and that was probably as good as it kind of that run there. Obviously, went on to do like you said, he feuded with The Rock for the IC title. And, but and you kind of forget he was only there for he wasn't there for very long. He was gone and, uh, by. Oh, how how can you miss out the fact that uh, Val Venus was papping his sister? Oh yeah, yeah, there was that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was probably yeah. I don't, I'm sure if you that was the peak. <laughs> that was the peak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he, he he's there and he plays like a quite a. I think everybody, if you look at the whole package, the the wrestlers, the ref, the commentators, it all plays in together to add to this add to this match. You all play their part. Um, but yeah, so that's Shamrock Austin, and then Brett comes out and you get sort of Brett's music and that, that kind of visual of him. Walking over the broken glass as well. Yeah, that's quite a good. He's like making his way through the wreckage, which Austin's kind of left, and he still yeah. sees himself as a sort of virtuous kind of champion. Yeah, it's it's kind of like an allegory to him stepping over this uh, this wrestling world that he, he detests now. Uh, yeah, trying to trying to um, take it back to the traditional. Uh, style of wrestling and the tr- traditional kind of storytelling. He was one who, who hated the the kind of uh, innuendo. I mean, how many times does he call out uh, Shawn Michaels for being on Playboy uh, and using kind of that uh, the sexy boy gimmick to 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 get over? He can't stand stuff like that. So yeah, it's a uh, it's I suppose it's like a, a sign of him um, wanting to return to the the roots of of the wrestling he knows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and it gets the ring and basically as soon as they get in the ring that's it it's it's on and and I like the way um, the Austin kind of like is avoiding making eye contact with Brett un- yeah. until he does that that shoot for the for the takedown and yeah and, yeah uh, and after that boom we're we're on it straight away brawling onto the outside getting thrown into the 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 ring post uh, crotched on on the guardrail. And then into the crowd, and and normally with the crowd, it's it's uh, in for a little bit, or they'll have like a designated kind of cleared pathway. But this is right in the mix with all the fans. Uh, there's one kind of uh, goony knobhead uh, with like a with <laughs> yeah. like a, a, a pudding bowl haircut. Who's screaming. he's also wearing a weird Christmassy jumper as well. So, <laughs> he was, yeah. And, and and I didn't realise you. Yeah, I didn't realise <laughs> yeah. you were in the in the uh, the Madison Square Gardens at that oh, time. Oh mate, I, I wish yeah, I would. I might have had a was, haircut in '97 as well, to be honest. But he was an aggravating toss pot. Um, yeah. But that whole kind of like bit where they're in the crowd, um, I mean, 
you 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 see the the Seth Rollins things uh, recently, how dangerous the crowd can be sometimes. So that was a brave move to to go so deep into the crowd. Um, but but it works because it, it shows that this is a a proper kind of blood feud. Yeah, I suppose there's some comfort in they've got Ken Shamrock following them around. <laughs> so if anything does go on, you've got a guy there who could actually, you know, snap somebody in half within a couple yeah. of seconds. Yeah, just just absolutely kill him. But they do eventually make their way um, back to the ring. Um, I think Brett gets thrown into the steps. Um, Austin then... Um, Swears at Brett, um, does a uh, the 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 diving clothesline from the apron, and then we start getting into some proper wrestling. What Brett's uh, Brett's known for, and I really enjoyed how he he and he does this all the way through his career. He's, he's so good at targeting uh, a body part, and he starts targeting Austin's uh, knee, which has the has the the uh, the brace on already, and but he's getting more and more brutal. And this is like where Brett is not the the face that he, he used to be. I mean, when he's when he's just destroying Austin's leg with uh, with a chair. That's that's you never saw that from Brett before now. Uh, and to see it happening, it's 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 jarring. I think. Mm. That's one thing. It's good if you've got like um, similar to how at the time of recording, uh, Brian Danielson will be booked in AEW. When you've got this guy who's not big. He's not like a, a monster, but he can be a monster by the amount of pain he can put you in and the, the various submission holds he can put you in. And, and Brett had that as a, as a heel. And you think back, obviously, when he first started in WWF, he was a heel when he in the in the Heart Foundation. Yeah. So I suppose, but yeah, this was. I think if you've got that in your arsenal, those all those submission moves. Obviously, in this point, when he's working on the working on the leg, he gets he gets the figure four right around the ring person, which always looks amazing. Yeah, and, um, yeah. and he, he even kind of no sells a stunner as well. Uh, there's a, a very early stunner in in, in the match. Uh, obviously, this is meant to be a submission match, so pins uh, don't really mean anything. But it's almost like desperation from from Austin that he has to use his his uh, finisher to to um, get some relief, I suppose. And it it's almost like especially at this part when Brett's uh, using any kind of means to, to, to get the upper hand. It's almost like these two have switched roles because mm. you've got uh, Brett who normally will play by the rules and you've got Austin who would do uh, win by any means necessary. And we're actually seeing Brett do, uh, trying to win by any means necessary. And, and it's Austin who's essentially playing by the rules. It's really interesting. And uh, there's another kind of, um, Throwback, I suppose, to uh, WrestleMania 10 uh, when he faced Owen. And uh, one of the kind of stories was that uh, Owen targeted Brett's leg. And he, uh, if, if you remember, there's the famous uh, promo, he kicked the leg out of his leg. Um, <laughs> and you, you you see that with Brett. Brett's doing that to to, to Austin. Every time Austin uh, gets a little bit of momentum, Brett's just boots the back of his knee again and, and Austin's back down on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, so he gets the uh, gets the chair involved as well, so, uh, Brett, and he and tries to do the old break the leg spots, put the leg yeah. in between the chair and jump. Pillman ass, he's trying to Pillman yeah, ass yeah. yeah. Austin's leg. Um, yeah, but um, takes too long essentially to get to the top rope, and and Austin just just plants him with the chair. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, then he I, th- he he I think he hits him again over the back. Um, 
but then we we see him Austin actually doing a little bit of technical wrestling, takes him to the uh, the the top rope uh, and does a, uh, a superplex off the top rope, which is shocking for Austin. Yeah, and Jr. says this is what this is what wrestling's all about, not posing or covering up your bold spot. <laughs> and you will add Jr. Yeah, personally attacked. <laughs> and in this show, I think it's it's Bret Hart's daughter in the crowd, like with her hands in her face. Laura's, yeah, Laura says, oh, she's not upset. They just told her to cover her face because she's that ugly, which is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we, when we did that DX movie, we actually, it's been a long time since I've actually complimented Jerry Laura on his commentary. But you forget before all the, 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 the fully attitude era period of boobs and puppies and that kind of thing. He was, he was a good entertaining commentator, Laura. Mm-hmm. Before I got into when he was playing just the prick heel commentator, he was he was that's probably the you know that was where they got when you know Jr. and King at this this time point were probably the best. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the the part that we're on with him on uh, a changing attitude, he's a cringy, pervy old fucker. It's yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty grim. Uh, we've we've started uh, g- getting the like the little vignettes for the Karate Fighters tournament. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, and he's uh, doing like the 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 commentary for that with uh, I think it's Todd Pengill. And even even Todd is like cringing at the time to some of the the, the commentary that uh, that Jerry's saying. These uh, sunny faces. I think it's um I think it's Bob Batland. Uh, and just before the match, uh, they, they go through who, how the wrestlers are going to win. Uh, and, and Jerry's like, oh, Sonny can stroke my, my knob any time she wants. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Jesus. Yeah, it, it's it's worryingly cringy. Knowing what we know now about how, how much of a, a bit of a pervy is, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, pretty, it's pretty on the nose. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if I, I may have praised all there for a minute, but... Let's not forget, he's a... <laughs> well, you know what he is. He's a dirty bastard. He's a dirty old man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Austin, yeah, at this point, Austin tries for a... He, he threatens to try for a sharpshooter as well, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Brett's able to, to, to counter it, I suppose. Um, then um, we see Austin wiping out uh, the cameraman, the, 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 the timekeepers. Um, and that's where you see... Yeah, I mean, you don't really catch the blading, but you know it's happened because mm. oh, yeah. there's, there's nothing that's happened there that would cause a massive cut like like um, like like you see Austin um, essentially pissing blood out of the top of his face. Uh, but, again, we see Brett kind of being a heel because he starts properly attacking that cut, like getting Austin down on the floor and just literally just punching the, the living shit out of his forehead to, to really open that, that, that wound up. Then he brings the chair and he's uh, beating the living shit out of his Austin's bad leg again. Yeah, so you're starting to see a real kind of a vicious streak from Bret Hart. Yeah, you can almost tell with the crowd where it's like they're kind of behind him, and then it's like he's gone too far. He's, yeah, he's got he's gone nuts basically. He's taken it too far. Yeah, and it's yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's when you actually see like the reaction of the crowd. It is it's unique. You don't get that very again. That's probably what makes this match such a classic. Is the circumstances around it and how the match plays out it happens very rarely where actually people are like yeah you've done you've done enough you've done enough and then it's like no he's actually gone that far the other way that yeah just to cement he is actually 
a heel, like you know. But um, but yeah, I mean that that looked as a good visual. And so the the story is that he did, they didn't Vince hadn't sort of cleared the the blade and that kind of thing. Only that was something which they did on the night. Yeah, um, I mean sometimes you need that kind of stroke of luck um, to to really get an angle or a character over. Um, and that visual of, of Austin bleeding, especially when we when you get to the end and he's uh, he's in the in the sharpshooter and he's pushing up on his arms and he's he's proper he's grimacing and you can see the blood dripping down his head and all the way through his teeth and and when he uh, he puts his head onto the the canvas the blood's sticking to him because it, there's just so much of it. Um, yes, that that visual is just etched on on Austin's kind of um, memory for forever. It's it's one of those. I think it ended up being a T-shirt. That whole kind yeah, of blood from a yeah. stone thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I understand Vince's uh point with bloodies on a, a national TV show. His audience is is mainly kids, but sometimes blood can add so much more um kind of uh, stakes to a match. Uh, and I think this one. It, it 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 elevates this 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 view the way that uh the way that Austin was bleeding so much but he still had that kind of never say die attitude and it, it took him passing out to to bring an end to the match essentially yeah pretty much every one of these Christmas crackers we're doing features lots of, <laughs> lots of blood so it, it says a lot about the people that are coming on these shows the bloodthirsty bastards You're evil uh, yeah yeah. But yeah, so they get to yeah, so he's he's work, working him over and he gets him in the uh, he he kind of he fights back then a couple of times Austin he gives him the finger and does the old stomp in the mud hole in him and um in the bollocks we'll yeah it. yeah kicks him in the bollocks yeah and then he gets the the cable doesn't he from outside the ring the sort of I'm not sure the weirds like the yeah, well, sort of, I, I think Vince says it's a microphone cord and 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 Jerry says nope that's a that's a uh, an extension cable there's power going through that and. Uh, <laughs> And Vince goes, yeah, there's power going through it because Austin's going to use it to choke Bret Hart. That. <laughs> that's an electrical cable, Vince. If, if, that, yeah. if that that kills a man in the ring, you'd be, you'd be absolutely up shit's creek without a paddle. So just yeah. calm down a little bit, sir. Yeah. When Bret gets managed to get the bell, then he hits Austin in the head with the bell when he's got him. And then from there, basically, is Bret dominated. He gets say, like that, that iconic visual of him in the sharpshooter. He looks like he's going to pass out, and then he kind of fights back, and uh, as he's uh, as he's pushing, and, yeah. and they, they make a huge deal of uh, no one ever being able to kind of like kick out of the uh, the sharpshooter, and and Austin at one point nearly does, and you see Bet, uh, Brett kind of collapse forward, um, but keeps hold of the, of the, uh, the legs, and then he's he's essentially pushing himself back up with his with his knuckles, uh, with his, with his one free arm, uh, which gets the the sharpshooter lock back in um so austin thought, thinking he's he's out of it and then all of a sudden he's back at back at square one and yeah that that's essentially where he he, he knows that the the game is up but yeah. austin doesn't doesn't want to quit he's telling uh ken shamrock adamantly nope i'm not quitting but you see the the kind of pain on his face and like i said that that visual of him pushing up onto his hands and and screaming in pain whilst just blood's just gushing from his forehead. Uh, he uh, eventually uh, kind of goes limp, passes out, uh, shamrock. And, and this is one thing um, I'm not a big fan usually of, of hearing refs uh, kind of like dictate to um, to um, 
the the wrestlers. But when Shamrock's saying, if if you don't answer me, I'm gonna end the match. Uh, do you quit? And when he don't get an answer from from uh, Austin, uh, essentially waves off the match. Brett starts to kind of refuse to to um, let the whole go, but eventually he's, he's, he he does. Uh, and then to kind of like cement the fact that he's the heel coming out of this, he does something that Brett Brett never does, and then starts attacking Austin after after he's won. Uh, Shamrock pushes him away, and then Shamrock fucking grabs him from behind, <laughs> and and it's not even at first um, you'd think he's going for like a belly to belly suplex, but he just he just launches him across yeah. the, the ring, and then. Brett stands up like looking like he's gonna square off with uh Shamrock and Shamrock's there ready ready to throw hands. He's like, Come on then, come on, yeah. let's fucking go. You prick. <laughs> yeah. But then again, that that again cements him as a heel as well, because he walks away, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you're now fully on board, this man, he may as well walked away with a sign saying, I am now a heel. <laughs> like, well, it, 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 the the camera kind of follows him down the down the entrance ramp, and the fans are some fans are like kind of trying to half have him. A lot of fans are, are booing him, and he he sees one fan and he goes back to him and, and he flips him off right into front of the fans' face. Yeah. That kind of like that nails the fact that this <laughs> Bret Hart is a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> but like we said earlier about the commentary setting, like when when Shamrock calls for the bell. Like JR's like, he never gave up. Austin never gave up. He never gave up. And through the match, kind of JR, uh, to start off, is kind of on Brett's side. Obviously, Lawler is fully against Brett because Lawler is always against Brett. And Vince is kind of half and half. By the end, they're all fully on Austin's side. Yeah. And and it, it, it's a massive kind of uh, passing of the torch, I think. Uh, not 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 saying that Brett was the guy uh, at that time. He he he'd obviously only been back a, a relatively short period. Uh, only had like little dalliances with the world title, but he was already a made man. Um, and I think that this, uh, the way that the crowd reacted, the way that Austin kind of looked super strong going out of this, uh, I think this was a passing. This was saying that Austin is going to be. Uh, the top dog for for the for the next few years. Uh, ironically, he doesn't end up being just the only top dog because we get uh, a massive kind of a group of six to eight wrestlers who are uh, who uh, a huge stars at that time. But yeah, it, it's kind of like the passing of the torch between Brett and Austin, but also the passing of the torch between yeah the 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 kind of new generation area is dead and buried. We're going full hog into this kind of attitude era where where Austin's going to be the face of the company. Yeah, yeah. That is it's a, an iconic moment. It's an iconic match, in a, you know, and the rest of the pay-per-view, really. <laughs> we covered this WrestleMania, so you want to go back and listen to it. But, yeah, this is comfortably the best match on the card mm. by several thousand miles. I yeah. mean, the next match is... What next match is... Um, Legion of Doom, Lama Johnson against the <laughs> yeah, and then they're followed by Sid Vicious and the Undertaker. So I mean, yeah, but yeah, th- yeah, this is yeah, this is great. And thank you for suggesting it, mate. And thank you for coming on and chatting about it. My pleasure, sir. My pleasure. Always uh, happy to to appear on uh, Bang Bang whenever the option uh, arises. Yeah, yeah, mate. Obviously, you know, I'll give you this opportunity now to. to we already plugged the change in attitudes, so. If you want to plug the several other dozen podcasts, you're on, nice. <laughs> I, I am not on that many. I'm not Matt Willis. 
I, I do have a, a few, but um, yeah, if you're interested in uh, in football, um, me and the, the team at Radio Techers do um, plenty of football content, live watch-alongs uh, and review shows. MMA, me and my son cover with uh, with uh, five rounds, uh, and then just the the plethora of wrestling podcasts that I'm involved in, a changing attitude, chain wrestling with uh, my good buddy Sar. Badlands has made a comeback. Um, so that's uh, something you can go and check out. It's got a little bit of a different format now. We're not uh, just covering the Mount Rushmore's. We're now doing uh, the what ifs of wrestling. Uh, what if um, kind of like wrestling went down a different pathway? How how the wrestling world would change like that? So yeah, definitely uh, go and check them out or follow me on Twitter at Podfather Mags, uh, where you'll always find links to the content that I'm involved in. Yeah. I can only echo all that because I, I don't imagine if you listen to this show, you probably will listen to Mags and stuff already. So, so yeah. I, I apologise profusely. <laughs> I'm not sure whose fault that is. It's either your fault or my fault. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So thank you very much, mate. And thank you very much to everybody listening to us and supporting us. And we hope you have a very nice Christmas. And we'll be back tomorrow. So take care, guys, and Merry Christmas to you all. And a Happy New Year. <laughs> from the, the man who hates Christmas <laughs> cheers guys take care